Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than a Mahler Bros Golf signature polo. Mahler Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those who want a subtle and sleek looking design. They also have fun tees, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MahlerBros.com for 15% off. You know when you're golfing, the sun's beating down, and you want to take your shirt off because of the heat? These polos almost feel like you aren't wearing one at all. Are your polos getting outdated and dingy? Time to get new ones that will make you stand out on the golf course. You need Mahler Bros Golf Signature Polos. Their polos are comfortable, slim fitting, and will make you look good and feel good while you're golfing with the guys. You know, Subi, I live here in Scottsdale, Arizona. It can be real hot during the summer. And what I'm always looking for is something that's going to wick that moisture away and make me feel like I'm wearing nothing at all. That's what you get here with Mahler Bros Golf Polos. Also, us being sponsored by Belly Up Media. They have Belly Up t-shirts you can buy at MahlerBros.com as well. That's MahlerBros.com backslash Belly Up. Mahler Bros doesn't only have polos, but they have really fun golf t-shirts that you can wear anywhere. Maybe like the barbecue your family invited to you or even that get together with your friends. Make sure to let them know where you got that shirt and wear it proudly. I'm going to wear mine this weekend during March Madness. Don't wait to try your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's 15% off M-A-H-L-E-R-B-R-O-S.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the golf course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros polos. Mahler Bros Golf. Look good. Feel good. Feel good. Play good. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel. We are brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us, of course, on whichever device it is that you use. Your College Hooper of the Day, Nick Johnson from Arizona. Taylor, I had to get us into the thick of March Madness on a good note, a good omen, former Pac-12 Player of the Year, leader of some of the team's that we may consider our favorite two elite eight appearances, just a great, great college basketball player, Nick Johnson from the state of Arizona and a high flyer did everything really did everything and was one of Sean Miller's best players ever at Arizona. So Nick Johnson, man, he is your college hooper of the day. I hope he's listening. I hope he's gearing up for this Wildcats run. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. 
in the books March Madness has officially kicked off but of course later today we have the full slate and then a full slate Friday and then a full slate Saturday and a full slate Sunday but before we get to all of this I feel like I'm in our October November even December recordings which as you know traditionally speaking we somehow kick it off with NFL talk, whether that was with the shark when he was here and the commanders floundering or anything with the Packers. But we got some Packer news that I, I, I definitely have to start off getting your thoughts on. Thank you, Subi. I've prepared a statement. Oh, no, I have. No, I haven't really. Uh, no, I mean, I, I had made uh, kind of peace with whatever the Aaron Rodgers situations situation would end up being. Um, I think the last week or two has been really overblown in the sense that like Packer fans are upset and all that, which I don't understand why Packer fans were upset because it was like, it's not, it's not negatively affecting the Packers at all. Like this dude's either coming back or we're getting a bunch of draft picks. It's not like we were going to go sign a shit ton of free agents or anything like that. So I thought it was a little interesting that Packer fans were so upset about it because it really wasn't negatively impacting anything at all. Um, but yeah, it was either, I mean, your options were for me, I was, I'd have been happy if he retired and then I didn't have to watch him in another Jersey. I was happy if he got traded and, um, we got it, you know, the Packers got a bunch of draft picks out of it. Or if the worst case scenario is your four time MVP, first ballot hall of famer quarterback comes back, then that's okay too. So I was, I was pretty okay with everything. Um, and yeah, if the Jets want to trade a bunch of draft picks for a 40-year-old quarterback and also sign Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, as if we don't already know what that offense looks like, which I think is kind of an interesting ploy here, then uh, then yeah, be my guest. So so I'm all good with it. Um, it's just, a, I guess, it is it is always disappointing. You know this, um, you know, with, with Tom Brady. It's always disappointing uh, to see that guy in another jersey. And as an Arizona fan... Nothing like starting mid-March with a little disappointment. So it's, it's, I guess it's traditional for us over here. It came in mid-March as opposed to towards like the third week or the final week of March. I guess I could take solace in that, yeah. Yeah, it's it's little wins that we're scraping. Hey, you know what I'm – first of all, Aaron Rodgers, I want to actually say thank you for getting this out of the way before the NCAA tournament actually starts. There's nothing worse than – football, bogarting, college basketball talk. And look, I'm not naive enough to think that college basketball is on the same level in terms of popularity as the NFL. I, I understand that. There's a reason why we start pretty much every October, November episode talking about the NFL. But I do appreciate him doing this yesterday as opposed to today. Now, I'm sure there's still going to be reverberations felt over the entire weekend, people are going to closely monitor what that compensation is for the Packers. But he could have done this today and just completely overshadowed the NCAA tournament, especially with his beloved Wisconsin out. And uh, I don't I don't think he cares about Cal basketball 
but neither of those are, are players. Uh, so I want to say thank you first and foremost to you, A-Rod. Uh, it might be the most selfless thing he's done in a while. Taylor, have you ordered the Jordan Love jersey yet? I'm working on it. Um, trying to figure out home or away. You know, and this is always tough too because now you have a jersey in your closet, an Aaron Rodgers jersey that's essentially not applicable for. Is there an eight? Is there a range? Is like when can I start wearing that Aaron Rodgers Packers jersey again? Like five years from now, after he retires, maybe. Well, what did you do? Did you ever have a Favre jersey? Yeah, I mean, that's I don't know. If now even you different wanna... point, different point in life, you know. Yeah, uh, I, at that point. point. So, um, I do have a Jair Alexander jersey though that um, that I can use. Um, and an, and an Eric Stokes jersey, funny enough. So uh, maybe I can. Uh, we 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 don't have the Ha Ha Clinton Dix jersey anymore. So I guess it's I guess we're riding with the uh, Jair, or I have to uh, pony up for a Jordan Love jersey. So could you repurpose it to an Amari Rogers jersey? Uh, who was the tight end? Uh, Richard Rogers. Yeah, easier to change the the letters than the number. So I'll have to. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how that goes here. I already know I'm I'm sick and tired of the unfunny, lame, corny jokes making the parallel with Brett Favre. Guys, we already know that this parallel is so glaringly obvious, but I can't it, it, we're already getting the oh, I can't wait in 2035 when Jordan Love is coming off of a two time back to back MVP and he's going to want to go to the Jets. Like, I, I get it. I get it. You're the thousandth person on Twitter to make that joke. I will say this. If Jordan Love ends up being even just good, not great, not amazing, even just good, I'll never shut up about it because then I'm going to be like, wow, do you guys do other teams even develop quarterbacks or like, do you guys even think about this or what? You just throwing darts uh, at, at the board and hoping it all works out. And then, you know, we're just over here just continuing to, uh, you know, create good quarterback play. So, I will say this and we can move on to what this basketball or this podcast is actually about, which is basketball. And that is, I don't think the Packers would be this willing to move on if they didn't think they had at least something with Jordan Love. I, that's all I, that's all I would say about it is if he sucked, then I don't think this would even be a conversation. So maybe he will suck. I don't know, but I think, I think at this point, the Packers, they have to be willing to move on for a reason. Right. And it, I don't think that reason is because Jordan Love sucks. Right. So I, I think there's, It'll be really interesting. I can't wait for like a 75 yard touchdown to Christian Watson on the first play, like against like the bears or something, whoever they end up playing first. And I will die laughing. So even if he doesn't do anything else for that game, that moment alone will be worth it for me. I love the optimism, man. I really do. Uh, Last thing before we do move on. And I promise I'm not personally trying to pile on, but I need to make sure great friend of the program and avid listener, Ted Scroback, who's also a lions fan. I, I I know he's imploring me to ask you any thoughts on Rogers' last game in a Packer uniform being a loss to the Lions in Lambeau, and then we will move on. Well, Brett Favre's last loss as a Green Bay Packer was uh, at Lambeau in an elimination situation against a team that wears white and blue. Um, and the franchise moved on pretty well and ended up beating a bunch of those other white and blue teams uh, pretty significantly for the next 20 years. So if, if, if one lion's loss every so often returns another 15 years of dominance, then sometimes that's just the cost of doing business. 
It's brilliant. Brilliant, Deller. I love it. All right, let's pivot now to some March Madness action. And like I said a couple of days ago, first four uh, was played. And we'll start with SEMO and Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Really, the storyline of this game was SEMO missing a bunch of their free throws. And they only ended up losing the game by four. I say only. I mean, shit, that's an elimination game. <laughs> but SEMO was there. The game was there for the taking. Great job by Texas A&M Corpus Christi to hold on and finish that off. But I, I can't help but feel that SEMO at least gets smoked by Alabama, which is what Corpus Christi is going to do. And you can feel good about yourself going into the offseason. SEMO just had this magical run through the OVC. And really, you can point to the free throw sh- situation. And I, I, I just I know that they're gutted because a lot of a lot of times when a 16 gets eliminated, it's as a result of just the other team being better maybe or being from a tougher conference, even if it's just marginally or slightly tougher. Uh, this was a game that SEMO is going to look back on and say, damn, had we made our free throws, we would have the right to get smacked up by Alabama, not Corpus Christi. And NCAA tournament wins matter. This is an NCAA tournament win for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. SEMO is going to be upset about it. I will say though, Corpus Christi, um, why the hell did they not foul up three with SEMO shooting like that? And SEMO actually got a decent shot off to try and tie the game. It ended up working out for the Islanders, but egregious decision-making there. It almost makes me want to root for like a 70 burger at the hands of Alabama. Uh, But any takeaways from this 16-16 matchup that occurred on Tuesday night? Well, I think it is free throws, like you said, but it's not just SEMO missing the free throws. It's that... Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, made 18 more free throws than SEMO and only won by four. SEMO uh, got called for 31 fouls, which is absurd in a single college basketball game. Um, they also got re- out-rebounded by 15 uh, rebounds um, by Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So yeah, uh, rebounding and free throws. I mean, Corpus Christi only shot 22% from three-point range and 38 39 percent from the field usually not going to win a lot of games when you're shooting that badly unless the other team shoots 45 percent from the free throw line um so that's uh pretty difficult yeah the fouling not not fouling up three uh it's funny it's it's funny when you watch these games you can tell that the lights are sometimes too bright for a lot, for a lot of these teams and and understandably so you're essentially taking um a teams who played in front of the same amount of people that listened to this podcast and then put them in front of more than that let's just put it let's just put it lightly um in a much different setting you know on national tv uh yeah there's a lot of factors short window of time uh you know these tuesday games are always tough because they even sneak up on us and we you know and we're pretty knowledgeable we'd like to think about the sport and they even sneak up on us you know so i can imagine that the turnaround time is pretty quick uh and stressful for all of these teams but um yeah it was i mean as herky jerky as it kind of was i mean all we're looking for from these games is our close matchups and, and entertainment and i think we got that from from both of the games um on night number one and um yeah, I, I like you said. I, I, I'm. I guess it's a preference that Corpus Christi won because I think they are most definitely the better team here. And 
maybe they'll give Alabama. Yeah, maybe they'll only lose by 68 where SEMO would have lost by 72. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's my takeaway is that I guess I'm glad that the team that is, at least the numbers say, are better won. So there's perhaps maybe a better uh, matchup with Alabama. I think that just plays into how bad SEMO should really feel because they probably shouldn't have won that game, but they could have. They, they definitely, definitely could have. And I want to ask you, Taylor, how long into that Bama Corpus Christi game do you think it will take uh, for Bama to just run away? Are we are we thinking like under twelve timeout of the first half? Yeah, <laughs> Corpus Christi will hit like two threes early, and like I and Eagle will be like Christy, Corpus Christi starting out hot, and then they won't miss. They won't make another like shot the first for the next like 20 minutes after that we've seen this movie before you know they're all fired up and bama you know bama's gonna probably come in like a lot of these teams do and go all right just get this over with you know so maybe for the first four minutes then uh then after that first time out they'll be like all right guys let's fucking get it going and then brandon miller will be like okay fine and then then the game will be over so yeah i'm thinking yeah under 12 timeout maybe yeah I mean, it's going to be an uncompetitive game, but it was a great game between those two to kick us off. It, there's always jitters the first five minutes or so. Rims are a little tight. They're, they're like you mentioned, the crowd is a is a real factor. Speaking of the crowd in this podcast audience versus versus what McAfee got, I think he was at four hundred eighty eight thousand viewers for that uh, Rogers for that. Rogers I wasn't even. Interview. I wasn't even watch. I didn't even watch him. I was not one of those four hundred eighty eight thousand people. That's I was how, unfortunately. I, that's I tell I told you I made peace with the decision, so I didn't I didn't need to watch it. It was all good. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your peace. All right, the growth. other growth, yeah, growth. growth, growth, absolutely. Arizona's uh, March Madness runs have built you for this. So let's also now talk about the Pittsburgh Mississippi State game. A couple of power teams. Another wonderful game, Taylor. In the second half, I tweeted this out. I don't think, for the most part, I think until the last two minutes of the game, I don't think this game was played outside of a three-point window. Every time a team went up three, the other team would score and make it a one-point game. And it was just so back and forth, the epitome of back and forth, back and forth. A few other items I took from this game. Uh, Guillermo Diaz-Graham for Pittsburgh had a rough start. I'm talking a very rough start. There's nothing more annoying to me than seeing a seven foot lanky twig just get bullied on the block. He wasn't rebounding. He wasn't even impacting shots. I'm not even talking about blocking shots. I think he only hit one three. He was just getting abused down low by shorter, but far stronger Pittsburgh opponents or excuse me, a Mississippi state opponents, which I think outweighed him by like 50 pounds. And I'm just watching this. I'm like, Dude, give me something because right now you're you're probably going to be the butt of a lot of jokes. And another thing, look, hand up. I didn't watch a ton of Pitt basketball this year, but apparently he has a twin on the roster and they're the exact same height. It looks like lanky. Look, twins, the, <laughs> the description of a twin. And when they would sub in and out, I was like, are the numbers changing? They play very similar, but the numbers are changing. I was incredibly confused. All of that to say. He redeemed himself at the end when Mississippi State was driving for a game tying layup, I believe it was, and he blocked the shot. Or maybe it was a game winning layup. It was a game winning layup because I think Pitt only won by one. 
right? Uh, pit only one by one. So Mississippi State's driving, looking for the layup. And it was a great defensive play from Guillermo Diaz Graham. And that then set up a beautiful ATO from Chris Jans. And Doug Gottlieb said it best. He said, you can't make it for him. You can't make it for your players. You cannot get more wide open for Mississippi State. And I, I feel for the player. I'm not going to pile on him. But, and again, I love the the play call from Jans. But I think they were the second worst three-point shooting team in America. So you wonder to yourself, would you rather a contested two or a wide open three? They got that wide open three, missed, and still had a shot on the putback rebound, and and it it didn't drop. Uh, Pitt was up six as well. By the way, speaking of that three-point window, Pitt was up six, and Mississippi State came back, charged back, uh, but Pitt ends up winning the game. Any takeaways from this? It was a wild and incredibly competitive matchup, but the three-point shooting, which is also interesting, the three-point shooting for Mississippi State in the beginning was red hot, and it did not track with how they performed. Caught up to them at the very end. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that uh, six-point window up because that literally only lasted for a single possession. It was essentially one team got a stop, the other team scored twice in a row, and then it just went back to a four- and three-point game right after that. So that was great, like we said about the first one. Whether it was good basketball or not, at least it was good entertainment from a from an endgame uh, scenario. Another game where I'm going to bring up the rebounding again, where Mississippi State out-rebounded Pitt by 21 rebounds. That's absurd number right there. At, for And you lose that game, and you out-rebounded the other team by 20-plus rebounds. That's pretty wild. Um, part of that was because Pitt did shoot uh, decently from the three-point line. Uh, they were 9 of 19, so uh, 47%, which is which is pretty solid. Uh, they kept the turnovers. Really what Pitt did was they kept the fouls and turnovers down, um, and that's kind of what helped propel them here and, and made a lot of the difference. Uh, Mississippi State had twice as many turnovers um, and six more fouls. So despite the rebounding advantage, Pitt uh, you know, still ended up with more possessions, uh, let's call it, than Mississippi State. So, um, yeah, I mean, this Pitt team, I don't, I don't know what to say about them. And, the, you know, like we said, they, they led the ACC for a number of time or for a number of weeks this year, which was interesting. I don't. I don't know if I, I was we were talking on the last episode if I was going to take them through um, past Iowa State. I haven't not really sure yet. But if you look at it, that's only a four point spread on that game. So clearly Vegas is not me, um, I guess. Let's put it that way. That that's a you know four point spread. That's pretty, pretty minimal. And especially the emotional side of this game, I think is going to be helpful for Pitt. They've already made it through a very stressful end game, whatever. Like the sweat has been there, the nervousness has been there, and they and they propelled through it in a way. Um, I wonder if that will be helpful uh, with Iowa State coming in cold and Pitt already saying, "Hey, we already grinded one out." You know, uh, I, I personally think it'll be helpful to them. And then if you look at when that game starts, that's a noon tip time uh, too. So um, I don't think there's going to be any home court advantage because that game is in North Carolina, I believe. Um, so I don't know, maybe I do like Pitt in going forward, at least one more game, just simply because they have a little bit of experience. They've gotten through a nervousness end game scenario and it's an early game. Iowa state comes out a little cold, maybe because they, they haven't played yet. I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards it. I don't know what, what say you about, uh, about this next matchup perhaps. 
I still think I'm leaning towards Iowa State just because they're very hot right now. But we have seen teams come from the play-in game and make miraculous runs. Think of UCLA going to the Final Four. VCU, I believe, did the exact same thing. There have been plenty of teams that have made it to the Sweet 16. And getting that lather, getting that sweat is good for the soul. You're in post, you're in real, real postseason hoops. And actually, if you think about Pitt, last four in, they've been playing postseason hoops, elimination hoops for uh, a few games now, dating back to the ACC tournament. So this is going to be two teams that have actually found their stride quite well. Maybe not Pittsburgh because they didn't perform all that well in the ACC tournament, but they know they've been fighting for their lives. And Iowa State kind of had to do that because they were floundering, but they really picked it up towards the end with some great wins, including Baylor. But I think I'm going to lean Iowa State just because uh, I think they found their groove. But look, we've seen... We've seen last four in teams make runs. So it's going to be a lot of fun though, Taylor. And uh, speaking of those, those games and, and that venue, look who we saw a familiar face, the Northwestern crying kid all grown up. Apparently he's a freshman in college. Now puberty is something unrecognizable, man. And it makes me feel old. I think that was from 2017 when Northwestern lost to Gonzaga this guy's got the rubber bands around the braces, all of that. And now he's in essentially a full suit sitting press row. And and you're saying to yourself, where the hell did the time go, Taylor? Yeah, I guess. Did we realize at the time that the crying kid was the athletic director's son? No, I, I thought it was just Maybe. a Northwestern guy. I thought, like, why was he yeah. for Northwestern? Yeah, I wasn't was he sure. Because he's the ACC's commissioner's son, right? I I. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so. next to him. Shit. Well, was he the former athletic director then? Whatever. Maybe. But he's there yeah, had to have been some ties with Northwestern. This is the oh, level yeah. of research you get on this program. Yeah. Right. Hey, I, well, let me send you a meme from Instagram real quick, and then we'll we'll turn it into a topic. No, I mean it, it is pretty hilarious that uh, that uh, he is still at play there, so to speak, and maybe we'll see him a, a couple more times during this tournament run. I hopefully, I I certainly hope so. Unfortunately. Like we talked about on the last episode, I also have him crying again uh, in the first round. So we'll see if he's willing to repeat that performance from six, seven years ago. Great first two games, Taylor. Uh, I will actually be in the building for ASU Nevada. And then who's the other game? Texas Southern versus Fairleigh Dickinson. So I will be in the building. I will be in uh, Dayton boots on the ground. I'm very excited for that. Shout out to my brother-in-law, Patrick Doyle for the hookup. Um, the question is, and we're going to get into some rules and, and things to follow for March Madness here in a little bit, Taylor. But one of my big rules is I think you're a complete asshole. If you show up to a sporting event that features team a and team B, and you're wearing a uniform of team F right? A uniform or a Jersey or any paraphernalia that does not support either of the teams that are playing or in question. So my question to you is Taylor, do I show up to this ASU game decked out in Arizona gearing and be a complete, complete asshole? Yeah, I I, I agree with you to a point though. And I think the NCAA tournament is where you can get a pass on that because if the NCAA tournament is in your town, you're going and you're a basketball fan. You're gonna go to it, and I think it's more of a like if you go to the Final Four, you see literally every jersey represented at the Final Four of like all 358 D1 teams, and 
all the coaches are there. It's super cool. So I think during um, these type of events, you get a, a slight pass on that, especially if your rival is playing in this type of event. I think, I think, yeah, I think you go Arizona gear in some capacity. It doesn't have to be, you don't necessarily have to be decked out, but like just a subtle, like, you know, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here and I'm definitely not rooting for you. So Nevada's blue too. So I like that. that going for you. Yeah. I, it, unless, uh, you know, there's not going to be any ASU fans at this game. Anyway, they don't even travel in their own state to go to games. They don't even go to their own fucking games at their own stadium, 10 miles from their house. So I don't think you're going to get too much trouble. If, uh, if you wear some U of A stuff to that game, it's pretty cold here in Southwest Ohio as well. Whereas in Tempe, it's probably beautiful. Kids are on spring break, things of that nature. But yeah, I may wear a little polo with a small block a just to announce my presence, make sure people know that I actually run this town. Don't come in, although maybe Bobby Hurley does. He's one and one. He's played two games uh, in the play-in here for the tournament. They're they're pretty much the ASU play-ins at this point. But I'm very, very excited to catch this. This will be two straight years now, Taylor, that I will have boots on the ground for an NCAA tournament game. I was at the Sweet 16 in Philly last year during a bachelor party, the Sharks, as a matter of fact. And then, of course, this year, this might have to be a tradition. I love how I'm kind of bookending the season. It's not technically a bookend, but started the season in Dayton at UD Arena when they played Lindenwood. And now I'm returning back here for postseason and elimination action. Very, very much excited. Taylor, let's focus now again to the bracket. I know we did our breakdown and we made sure everyone knew it was subject to change. Have you made any changes here over the course of these last 48 hours? Other than what we just talked about with the with the pit game, potentially, I mean, it's not going to be that big of a deal in in the bracket. Considering I'm, I have that team losing in the next round to to Gonzaga, or uh, excuse me, to um to Xavier anyway. So it's not. I might go with Pitt just from a value perspective, if that makes sense. You know, betting perspective. Um, that has not really changed much. I am still to this day. Struggling with my, my final four is still the same Arizona, Marquette, Texas, Kansas, but boy, am I still struggling with Marquette to the final four and Texas to the final four. Um, I mean, and that might really change up until pretty much tip time uh, tomorrow because we still got to see about maybe a couple injuries here and there. Um, have we heard about Miami's injuries? Remind me. Yeah. Omir hasn't practiced. That is something that I've been monitoring very, very closely, but he has not practiced. I don't know if he's going to play. That's all just speculation, but I know he hasn't practiced yet. God, that just makes it tough. Yeah, so that's just going to be – because I have Miami going far. I have them going to the Elite Eight. I have them beating Houston, which is kind of like my big thing happening in that sub-segment of the tournament there. So, I, uh, I, boy, it's going to be touch and go for me tomorrow. Uh, or today, this morning, I guess, as this is coming out. Um, it's going to be a, a quite literal game time decision to to where I go uh, with Miami. Um, let me see what time that game is. Um, is it, is it, is that, a, oh no, is that a Friday game though? Ooh, yeah, that's. But that doesn't, but that doesn't matter because we got to get this shit locked in. I know. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's and what you I'm know, struggling. you know, Miami's not going to announce anything. Up until we just need some sort of breadcrumbs. I remember this a couple of years ago. I think I think it was PJ Washington. I had taken Kentucky all the way to the final four. And 
there was some doubt about PJ Washington and I was flying to a bachelor party and I'm sitting at a Chili's airport, which I always do that. If, if there was going to be a place that I had to endure a tough situation, airport Chili's is certainly one of them, but it was like five minutes before the first tip and Calipari is like, yeah, he's out. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Throws a complete wrench. Yeah. I, I mean, that's such a, also such a Calipari thing uh, to do. Uh, right now, Miami's only a two-point favorite, too, which is a little wild. So I might have to put a bet in for that early because if they announce that he is healthy, that line probably moves up to like maybe a three or four or five. So a uh, two-point favorite is pretty good value. That's a pretty close game for a 12-5, though. And, you know, I will say this. This time of year, we get one million. If your name is like Travis Church, for example, friend of the program, you're going to get all of a sudden, 1 million betting TikToks and uh, Instagram posts from this guy uh, in your DMs as if he has forgotten that I do a twice-weekly college basketball podcast and I have been paying attention to this stuff all year. Hey, man, what do you think about Hey, man, what do you think about this? I'm like, dog, I've been talking about this for a fucking year. So anyway, um, there are some stats that I think can be helpful in, in the betting department. I think some of the stuff that's not helpful is I think trends are, are an interesting thing to follow because, okay, so 35, the last 39 years, a 12 is beat a five, right? That really has nothing to do with any of these games happening individually, right? So I think sometimes when you're doing these bets and your bracket, especially you have to, you have to almost not follow those trends because you almost get too involved in looking at, oh, this happens, that happens seven years ago, this team beat, and that really has nothing to do with anything. So you're like, oh, 38, 38 tournaments ago, like they're playing the same basketball style that they are now. That was, they barely had the, even, what was 38 years ago? They don't even think they had the three point line 38 years ago. So, I mean, I, I think some of these trends are a little goofy to bring up. Um, so just be wary of that for anyone who's, uh, who's putting their bets in uh, this morning prior to the first tip. No, I hear you, Taylor. But I will say there was one stat that I read this morning that actually made me conduct a significant change in my bracket. And I'll say it right now. Again, this is still subject to change. As of 2.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on March 15th, this is where I am at. I'll get to the uh, drastic change in a second, but a semi-drastic change. I had Charleston in the Sweet 16. Upon crunching a few more numbers and upon further analysis, I switched that to SDSU. I think SDSU now is going to the Sweet 16. Uh, Charleston is still great, uh, but I, I just think their defense is going to clamp Charleston, uh, again, upon further review, I didn't think this two days ago, but they're just big, strong men there at SDSU. And I think Brian Dutcher is hungry for some notable wins. I still think some people view him in the shadow of a Steve Fisher. And I don't know if Dutcher has gone to the Sweet 16 and they're coming off of an epic collapse choke job against Creighton in the first round last year. That's burning in the bellies of an Adam Seiko, of a Matt Bradley, a senior laden team. So I made that switch. Charleston, you're losing in the first round, hopefully. And if not, if I get burned, sometimes you got to eat a Sweet 16 team. It's really when the Elite Eight and Final Four teams go down early. That's when you're starting to experience a little bit of trouble. Um, The drastic change I made, I took Purdue out of my Final Four, Taylor. This Ken Palmstadt, he said, teams that have not been preseason ranked 
that ended up being a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament have never made the final four. And I think their average number of wins is 1.83. So if we round that up, the ceiling is the sweet 16. Shocking, shocking stat to me. Now, look, I understand these are different teams. The East region is a complete catastrophe. I'm not confident in it whatsoever, but that was too much for me to ignore Taylor. So what I ended up doing, and I feel disgusting and gross about it, I ended up taking Duke to win that region, like a hack, like a loser, like a worm, but not having like Marquette and Purdue, they were not ranked preseason. They're both one and two in that same goddamn region. There will be chaos. I'm I'm going with Duke for now. So you would be one of the 62% of ESPN college basketball analysts who also picked Duke to the final four. I'm a sheep. What do you want me to say? 62%. Only two of them, of those experts, experts in quotations, uh, picked Purdue to the final four. Uh, Marquette got even more love than Purdue. Um, even Memphis uh, has a final four vote in here, which is wild. Kansas State has one as well. Um, pretty much, you know, I feel good about uh, the South. If I mean, if you're comparing it to like the the experts, or if if we care about that or not, but the South is pretty much one person has a couple people have a Baylor. Other than that, it's pretty much all Arizona-Alabama, which is what our debate was. Um, The Midwest, uh, Houston and Texas uh, and Xavier are the big three there. One person has Miami, which is uh, wild, uh, considering we don't really know what their uh, injury situation is. Um, West is a lot of Gonzaga, actually, a lot of UCLA. Not as much Kansas as I would have anticipated. Um, That's pretty surprising to me. Uh, someone has Arkansas, which is outlandish. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Hey, great friend of the pro- program, Reuben Williams, who came on in the off season. We love you, but I don't know if I can go that far. Yep, yep. But then, yeah, it's crazy in that East region. You have so many people taking Duke, but now it's almost. Now I'm almost. I'm not taking my own advice when I say this, so I understand. Don't call me out on on that. I understand that I'm not taking my own advice from the previous segment, but it's almost become too trendy of a pick. Oh, for sure. You know, where it's like, I'm not even like, I'm not even getting ahead of anyone in my bracket. If I, if, if I run with Duke and they lose in the, in the, you know, sweet 16 or first round. I mean, that's the struggle with taking with Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is taking a team. Like I said on the last episode, I don't want to be that dumbass that's team loses in the, or, you know, loses a final four team by noon of the sec first day, you know, or whatever. I don't even know when that game is, but you know, uh, you hate to be that person. And you know, if, if it happens to you, like a one or a two seed loses, um, well, a two seed loses in the first round and you lose a final four team. I think you feel less bad because it's like, okay, come on. 85% of people had the, this team to the elite, elite eight, at least, you know? Um, but when you take a five seed to the final four, and 60 plus percent of people are also doing that. That's something, something doesn't add up there for me. So uh, I might roll with Marquette or stick with Marquette just because, I mean, I still like Duke's path a lot, a lot, a lot. Clearly everybody else does too. Um, but this team's a five seed for a reason. 
I know the injuries, this, that, or the other, but everybody's yeah. dealt with shit. You know, I mean, Tennessee is a great example of that. And they're going to have to play Tennessee in a somewhat likely scenario. Um, it's not like they're the first team ever that's had to deal, deal with injuries all year. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I got a lot of trepidation about that, but I have to go back to taking my own advice and say, okay, each of these games is just an individual circumstance here. You can't base it on if Jay Billis thinks about it or not, or if, you know, Myron Metcalf or any of these guys, you know, they, I think we've proven that these guys don't know shit either. Uh, also over the years, um, especially as it relates to picking tournament stuff. So that's a tough yeah, one. So, so basically what you're saying is, Hey, good luck. Good luck, fam. It's like, it's like in the town when Ben Affleck comes in, he's like, I need your help. Jeremy Renner says, which car are we going to take? You just say, good luck. I'm not joining you on that, which I could appreciate. What I'm trying to reconcile with and what's helping me sleep at night, if Duke can get past Oral Roberts, which I think is going to be a tough test, I think they will have the better guard matchup against Tennessee, which will be another really difficult test, but knows Kai Ziegler and I trust Jeremy Roach. All right. Then they play Purdue. I think Kyle Filipowski can hold his own against a Zach Eady. And then again, going back to guard play, Purdue has a bunch of freshmen leading the way with Braden Smith and with Fletcher Lawyer, who have not performed well recently. Jeremy Roach has. And then I have them up against Kansas State, uh, which I might switch to Marquette. But at the end of the day, the the East is just going to be it's going to be the death of me. I can already tell it's going to be a complete massacre, but that was a major overhaul that I made uh, since the last time we jumped on Taylor. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it's going to be the thing that I always struggle with. And this is with betting. This is with um, picking your bracket or just like any fantasy league, like any, any of this stuff, this fall to roll that we commit our lives to. Um, I hate when I switch off of something and then it happens. Like I'd almost rather just suck up the loss by not changing it. It's like, I can't get over my ego of being like, Oh no, I was, I would feel like an idiot if I was like, Oh, I had Duke to the elite eight all the way until four minutes before tip off. And then I switched off and then they, you know, run through it. I would feel almost dumber, uh, switching off a team that ended up being successful than like, yeah, I don't know than not. So I don't know if that's just my own personal issues I have here, but I always feel that where I'm like, well, kind of like that first instinct is always correct. So they say, right. And you're like, ah, shit, I can't change this now. Cause I'm going to feel like an idiot if, if I'm right. And at the end of these, these tournaments, when you look at your bracket and even in the middle of it, you just say to yourself, gosh, remember this feeling, remember this feeling 365 days from now when you flip flopped and what you should do next year is just go with your gut and then when 365 days comes around, you say, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not trying. I don't remember that feeling at all. I need to psychoanalyze this. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pour myself a piping hot cup of coffee tomorrow morning, fill my thermos, take my dog for a walk, get some fresh air, clear the mind, revisit the bracket one more time, and then just let it ride. Put it in God's hands, as they say. I am going to do similar, but I'm going to open a beer uh, instead of, of a coffee, um, this will be past coffee already. And that's when I'll, I'll have to get at least a little, a little bit of a foreign substance, controlled substances in my system before making, uh, the final call here. Can I put you, uh, uh, on, on, on your toes here and ask you 
uh, two questions about uh, the first two days of the tournament here. Here we go. Go. What game are you most excited for on Thursday on today? And what game are you most excited for on Friday? <sighs> That's not Arizona, obviously, you know, just right. as, yeah. so I don't have the schedule up in front of me. Um, but let me, so the first one that jumps off the page is Kentucky Providence. I am very excited for that. There's a lot of storylines there. First, the coaches, Calipari. People are level-headed. People are scoffing at this being a must-win for him. Kentucky fans are anything but level-headed. So this is kind of a must-win in an unfair way. Lest we forget, folks, there were people saying, please take the Texas job, Cal. Get the hell out of here. And this is when Kentucky's program's butter is or bread is buttered, I should say. There's immense pressure on Kentucky and Calipari. There's also the Ed Cooley angle. There's some serious scuttlebutt about him going to Georgetown, and he hasn't done necessarily anything to quell that. And Ed Cooley's been an amazing leader of men. We talk about PC's culture, but I wonder how much this is seeping in to the actual players. And then on top of that, when you talk about the players, there's the Bryce Hopkins effect going up against his former team, the team that didn't give him any minutes, and he's now flourishing at Providence. Um, So I am very much looking forward to that because there's immense amount of pressure, I think, on Kentucky as a program in Calipari, but also Ed Cooley, who uh, we don't know what what his future really holds. And again, that's a lot of speculation. So what day is that game, Taylor? Providence, Kentucky. Can you look that up? That's Friday. All right. So that's a Friday game. I'm going to throw another game out and let me know if it's Thursday or Friday. But I am also looking forward to, give me a moment while I scour this. I'm also, this is kind of a sleeper pick, but I'm kind of looking forward to Creighton NC State. Is that Thursday or Friday? I'll wait just so I can be in the parameters of your, of your question. The reason I'm looking forward to that game also is Also Friday. Game. Also oh, Friday. All right. Well, I'm looking forward that's to that fine. because of the whatever. That's fine. It doesn't matter. I'm, I put I'm you looking on forward spot. to that. I'm looking forward to that because of the guard play. Uh, Baylor Shireman, he's he's he was in the tournament last year. NC State fresh faces, but they arguably have uh, a top three, top two backcourt in the ACC. I think some people may be sleeping a little bit on NC State. Look, I got Creighton winning that game, but I think that's an intriguing matchup. What about you? Yeah, excited for this Charlton-San Diego State game. It's actually one of the first games of the day today on Thursday. So uh, we got that one that I'm excited for. And then a game that's happening on Friday outside of the games that you have discussed is um, that Iona-UConn game I'm excited about. Also speaking about contrasting styles and kind of just a lot of the storylines that are at play. UConn was dominant the first half of the year and then kind of wasn't the second half of the year. Um, Can they... are can they get uh, lopped off here by uh, a lower level Iona team? Does Patino stay at Iona now that some jobs are becoming available that are kind of within his realm here? So I think there's a lot of storylines in that game, some contrasting styles in some ways. So that's what I'm looking for. Uh, you know, kind of most excited about not the, we're not talking about like the Dukes and the, you know, of the world here because we already have kind of discussed uh, where we're going with them, but some of those lower level games, I uh, like that Utah state Missouri game is one of those games that the national yep. audience is just not going to care about until all of a sudden, which Peter is stupid. And 
yeah and then all of a sudden theater and college hoops tweets out hey yo we've got we've got theater in wherever the hell that game's at and it's one yeah one of those that'll definitely feels to me like something from that game will make it into um one shining moment at, at the end i just have a feeling about that don't sleep on Michigan State USC either. Those are two teams that have just been flying under the radar all year for good reason. I don't think anyone's expecting them to be super potent, but that's going to be another game with epic guard play. Look, we can break down pretty much any compelling storyline or make a compelling case as to why to watch any of these games, maybe outside of the one versus 16s, but Michigan State and and USC should be interesting because I don't really believe in Michigan State's front line. I like Vincey with Chuck Wu. Boogie Ellis. I love AJ Hogard. He's a foxhole guy. I love Tyson Walker. So I think that's going to be uh, a very fun matchup, Taylor. But I'm glad we went through that exercise. They're all deadly. Yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot like that. Um, do you no think, need to apologize. Do, do you think, what do you think about Bill Self not necessarily committing to even being available to the first game or for the I'm first all right game? with that. No, I'm all yeah. right with that. Look, no, they went no, all the way. Impact them. No, uh, I, they went all the way to the Big 12 title game without him. Uh, I, I don't think the, maybe it'll be close for the first 10 minutes or so. I, I got full and total trust in Kansas. They're kind of like the most recent version of Villanova. They just, get shit done 17 q1 wins they're they're fine i'm good with them yeah and i mean i i guess it for the first game it's probably not going to matter for that potential second game it might matter though i mean illinois and arkansas illinois and arkansas are not i mean i know they've had their struggles for sure this year but we're not talking about bottom of the barrel you know from a talent perspective on either of those two teams so i i still think they'd win regardless i'm just saying that from there on if he's if he's not out, that's where it's going to start. Or if he's not there, that's where it's going to start to really uh, impact uh, their future, I think. I trust him, though. And you make a great point, but I got all the trust in the world in Dewan Harris and Jalen Wilson, for sure. First team All-American. So, Taylor, I want to get on out of here, though, with some notes on etiquette. And I am bringing this back up from last year, okay? Because there is tournament etiquette that you need to follow. Right. I'm going to go point by point. Feel free to chime in whenever. But first and foremost, upsets are greater than your bracket. All right. That is the holy commandment. That's the number one commandment. Um, We don't care if Houston, if you have Houston winning the entire thing and they're down 20 in the first half or don't root for Houston is what I'm saying. You always root for upsets. Uh, over your bracket, the obnoxious drunk guy at a wedding with a tie around his head guy that absolutely must interject into every conversation and tell you about his personal experience, uh, telling you about his prop bets during the Super Bowl. I don't care. This is about upsets over your bracket. All right. Two, get some air. Um, this isn't necessarily in list of priority, but find a break, find a 10 to 15 minute break to get some air because otherwise you're going to be stuck creating a crater on your couch. It's not good for you. Try and get some air. Uh, Your job. I've taken today off and I've taken Friday off as well. All right. Make sure if you're not working from home or anything like that, actually, no, even if you are working from home, don't be distracted because you're going to be on a conference call when a buzzer beater is going to be sounding, right? And you may have to speak on the WebEx and you're going to miss an epic call from Kevin Harlan. Don't do that. Take the damn time off. Uh, The clicker and and the TV. How's your thumb? I hope it's doing well. Make sure you have True TV, TBS, CBS, 
all those channels properly identified. Okay. There's no time for lacking, no time for slipping, no time for goddamn buffering. Uh, play to triple zeros. All right. Seth Davis is known for his Sharpie tweet, but don't be the guy that, uh, that, that Sharpies until the clock reads triple zeros. There's too much chaos to be had. Stick with what got you here. Do the same, drink, drink the same beer, consume the t- same tobacco, eat the same foods that you did for your team's winning. Uh, and then also get used to the same commercials. We've seen the Willie Nelson Capital One commercial. We're going to see the Wendy's commercials. We're going to see the Invesco QQQ commercials. All right. Those are going to be playing because when you switch channels, you're going to see all of uh, the same commercials. And they're going to be ingrained like a a baby nursery song or when they play with one of those toys, it's going to be in your head. Uh, And then just know Monday is going to be terrible. Don't jump. Don't do anything drastic like I did when I have now put Duke to the final four, but Monday is going to be terrible. Just brace it, embrace it, I should say, uh, and, and, and really own it. Uh, so those are some of the big keys to success, Taylor, any thoughts on the ones that I laid out or anything you want to chime in with? No, I think those are great. You kind of brought it up, but yeah, don't invite me over to your house, uh, just as a general, uh, sentiment for these couple days. Um, but especially if you are, have cut the cord, like get out of my face. I'm not, this is all happening live Twitter. I, you know, whatever group conversations don't, don't invite me over to your house if we're going to be 30 seconds or more behind everybody else. That's something we talk about all the time. Um, it's tough to go to a sports bar, too, uh, for this, although it can be a fun experience. Make sure you do your research that you are going to a sports bar that is a sports, emphasis on sports bar, not a bar that has sports on TV because those are two different things. And again, you want those people to have those channels on at all times. No excuse to be missing any buzzer beaters or anything like that at a sports bar. And then my other one I would be, uh, I would add because because we are in a podcast that has avid college basketball fans. And that is try and avoid arguments as best as possible with that guy who just started watching college basketball a week ago, because unfortunately his bracket's going to end up being better than yours. And so is your wife's and so is your girlfriend's and so is your mom's and so is your grandpa who can't hear. And so everyone, every one of those people's brackets is going to be better than yours, despite you watching a million college basketball games this year. And you're going to argue with them and tell you, and you're going to tell them dumb stats about player efficiency ratings and offensive efficiency and all this dumb shit. And they're going to be like, well, I just liked the purple team. And they're going to beat your ass in the bracket. So you're just going to have to wade through that and be calm about it. That's so good. That's so perfect. I can absolutely see myself saying, no, 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 no. Just if you saw the research that I compiled, it makes no sense why this should this should have happened. And yet here you are. I I love that, Taylor. I would also add, don't procrastinate, okay? While we love college basketball and we try and put it number one on our priority list, that's just not the case, all right? Get whatever reports you need done. Get your adult responsibilities done. Feed that damn baby, all right? Get it done early because if you say, I'll get to it or I'll procrastinate, tip time's coming, all right? That's why I mentioned I'm going to walk the dog so that I'm clean of any any real responsibilities. Actually, you may have just heard the dogs in the background. Their ears are burning. Incredible timing. They may need a walk right now. Am I procrastinating? Where the hell am I? Just don't procrastinate. All right. But most of all, enjoy it. This is the best time of the year. You're going to get the best theater. 
I'm going to do my best to tweet as much as I can. Remember, I am at a wedding. I hate myself for that. Uh, oh, that's another rule. Don't schedule weddings during during March Madness in the first weekend. But that's something out of my control. It's a wife's friend of mine. I know I've belabored this point. Uh, please have pity on me. But most of all, enjoy the tournament. T, we're about to dive in, baby. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.